Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson, and everyone, welcome back to Rod Reel Radio. I am your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. I think we have a great show for you tonight. First of all, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're out doing other things this weekend, so what we have for you is all-recorded show. We have some new interviews. We have some past interviews that I think you're going to really enjoy. The new interviews, Wayne Cotto. He is the director of the Coastal Conservation Association of California. He's going to be updating us on what's happening with the association here in California, some of the issues they're working on, and then also he's going to let you know of your opportunity to join the association and get in on some of the programs that are happening this month and into October. Also, we have an up-to-date interview with Captain Chuck Taft from the Sea Adventure Sports Fishing. I happened to meet Captain Chuck Taft the other night as he was coming in from a two-and-a-half-day trip. We talked about the current fishing conditions, what's happening out there, and what you need to know that if you're going out in the next couple of weeks to catch what could be the fish of a lifetime. So Captain Chuck's going to be with us. We also have an interview tonight with Randy Penny from United Composites. He's going to talk to us about their fishing products. And then we went on over to uh, uh, Fisherman Seafood Processing and uh, got the information on what you need to do if you bring in those big fish, where you need to bring them to have them processed correctly, so that if you want to enjoy the best of your catch in the coming months, that uh, you bring it over to uh, Fisherman Seafood Processing, have them work on it for you, and take it on home within 24 hours of bringing it to them. So there's a great show tonight. Hey, sit back and relax. Hope you enjoy the interviews. We'll be back with you at the end of the show. Hey, welcome back to this segment of Ron Real Radio. And with me is Wayne Cotto. He is the California president of the Coastal Conservation Association of California. Wayne. How you doing, Guy? Excellent. How you doing, John? All right. I know you got a lot of things uh, coming up here in September and October, but first of all, let's talk about some of the things that the uh, association is uh, concerned with that affects us here in California. There's so many things going on all the time, but you know the latest ones that everybody knows about are the uh, the national monuments uh, with the Antiquities Act. It's still sitting on in committee and could at any time go to the president for signing. But uh, CCA and CCA California, ASA, 
um, and all of our other partners are all on board with uh, working on that issue at the federal level and trying to make sure that that does not impact the recreational fishing here in California. On top of that, the Bluefin ESA, the Endangered Species Act, is still sitting out there at the federal level, and we're working that one. You know, all these things work. They, they go away in the public's eyes real quick. Within a week or two, people forget about it, but those things still sit out there on the plate, and we have to stay vigilant as an organization. And uh, these things are good for, for the California support. We make sure that we're covering it at not only a federal level but at the local level. We still have all the things going on here with our MLMAs, the uh, M MPAs, the Marine Protection Areas, are still on the plate. We just got through the Lobster FMP, Fishery Management Plan, uh, and these things are just going to keep on going. Right now we're working on issues of of with the drift gillnet. That, that is not a dead issue at the uh, Pacific Fisheries Management level. Uh, we took a setback in the last council meeting um, where they were trying to federalize the permitting process of that, which put the scoping document back. So it could be another couple, three years before we actually get rid of drift gill nets in California. But that's part of the process that we work through, and that's why organizations like on ours are so important to our recreational fishermen. Right. And then uh, uh, what is the status of the review of the MLPAs with the uh, Fish and Game Commission and, and the, uh, the closures? Right now the last thing we heard is that uh, – they're going to take the review period and extend it from every five years to every 10 years. And even then, if it gets reviewed, then that's kind of dubious. Uh, well, at this point, it looks like that's going to pass. Uh, the MLMA uh, process is uh, ongoing. Um, the, the Department of Fish and Wildlife has started and will be completing the baseline studies for all of the MPAs. Um, it looks like then the review cycle for the scientific review will be every 10 years, the full cycle, but there will be inter, um, intermediate reviews along the way for things like the issues with the crab, with the dominic acid, or the issues with um, inventory or stock assessments, um, the thing with the tuna crab, or the sea urchin population, or red abalone. All these issues will come up, which will force them to have to look at what's going on in the environment. So they'll have to do interim studies. Now, were you all involved, or can you just give us an update on uh, what happened with the uh, uh, State of California, the Fish and Game Commission, wanting to increase the limits on striped bass and green bass in the California Delta and, and decrease the limit uh, size limit to like 10 inches? And now they've withdrawn from that position because of the water up there. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Uh, and, in fact, that's another one of those areas where the, the point behind what we do at CCA Cal is we're very strong in networking. And we partnered up with a bunch of other organizations to put pressure on our, our um, government to pull back on their position of what, what they wanted to do with not only the catch sizes and limits, but what they were trying to do with the water up there. Um, and the pressure was enough to make them pull that the petition back on what on the changes they were going to try to make. So we were successful in, in that one. Let's talk about a little bit about, uh, for some people that aren't familiar with what the CCA is or the Coastal Conservation Association, especially here in California, but even more importantly, the backing you're getting as a national organization. Yeah, CCA, Cal, uh, Coastal Conservation Association of California, is a has been around for a couple of years. Our parent organizations, Coastal Conservation Association, started in Texas about 39 years ago. 
Um, and there, we are now in 18 states. We have over 218 local chapters uh, nationally. Uh, we have over 120,000 members. We're a grassroots membership organization that believes in taking care of fishing advocacy first, making sure that we all have places to fish and have the right to go fish in them. Um, on top of that, we believe in conservation because we understand the sustainability of our sport is on us. So making sure that not only do we have a place to fish and have access to it, but we have fish to fish for. So we believe in programs like artificial reefs and hatchery programs because those are the things that will help us to sustain the sport for, the, for future generations. And we also believe in youth programs because that is the future. So those things all combined are the, the really the, the crux of what we try to focus on, our efforts. You know, Wayne, uh, it seems like over the years there's been a lot of smaller organizations that have tried to do what, uh, what you can, and they were like a, a voice crying out in the desert. And what is happening now with the CCA, as I could say, is not only do you have a lot of the people that are advocates here in the state of California, but now you have a strong national base behind you that has a proven track record of getting things done. Absolutely. Uh, the, the strength of CCA and CCA Cal is networking. The grassroots effort, because of the members, that way we have a voice everywhere up and down California. But the networking is so important to everybody and what people don't realize. We have we believe in breaking down the barriers between all of the different parts of the industry. So we have partners in the manufacturing side, the tackle side, the landing side, the boating side. We, we believe in partnering with the commercial side, the the spear fishermen, the divers, every facet of the industry that has to do with fishing, we believe should be all working together for the greater good. Um, and that's one of the strengths of CCA. We can work with these different groups. Um, we've been working with ASA and uh, IGFA lately, and we've been doing very good work with those two groups. Uh, NMMA, which is the boating side of the associations, has been working with us. Uh, that's very, very powerful from a national perspective as well as a local level uh, support. Now, it seems like uh, you probably feel like you've been doing this forever, but this has been a cause on that you've been on pretty heavily now for oh, maybe the past 18 months or so. What has been the reception and the response of the fishing community and the manufacturers out there with the CCA coming in as an advocacy group? It's an interesting dichotomy, I think, that we have going on. From a perspective of the manufacturers, they embrace us um, and support us. From the perspective of the fishermen, the recreational sport fishermen, it's been a little bit laxing. Uh, we, we knew that there was an issue of uh, apathy in California. We didn't realize how much apathy there was. Um, people get up and they pound their fists and they pound on the table when there's an issue that comes up. But within a week or two, all of a sudden it's out of sight, out of mind, and they think it's gone and then there's nothing they can do about it, which is nothing further from the truth. I know it's not fun and it's not sexy to talk about fishing problems. People want to go fishing because it's fun. It's a recreational sport. Um, but if we don't stay vigilant as a group and as an, as an organization, we won't have any place to fish or anything to fish for because all of our competition are very well funded, very well organized, and entrenched in our governments now. And they are out to take away our sport. And it's been that uh, that lackadaisical response by the recreational fishermen that the uh, uh, the groups that want to take away a lot of our rights to fish or wherever we want to fish, they are well-funded, uh, they are well-manned, 
they are well organized, and they've been taking advantage of this uh, this apathy from the recreational fishermen. There's really been no concerted effort to represent them, but now we're looking to see a change in that. We hope. That's absolutely right. That's the point to why CCA is so important uh, to California, because unless we get consistency of support of our uh, of people showing up to meetings and people showing up to the groups, um, the recreational fishing will keep getting taken away because there's nobody to voice or stand up against any of this. And that's what we're finding. Um, we're taking shots wherever we can. We're trying to get on different committees, different uh, councils, commissions, uh, collaboratives. Uh, a good example is anybody locally that's listening to this station right now or this radio show has an opportunity to go sit on one of the MPA collaboratives. They're, they're set up by geography. We have one in every county, sometimes coupled in a county because they're some of them large. But there's an opportunity to represent the recreational sport fishing in those collaboratives. Right now, the majority of those people are all the environmental groups. But there's openings for representation from our side. But we can't find enough people to want to go participate. That's the apathy we keep talking about. Right now, it seems like uh, we're working against uh, large foundations and uh, uh uh, corporations that are well-funded and they have a particular point of view and want to get an interest across that's maybe uh, different than what we'd like to do. And so it's actually funding, it's money that greases the wheels on this thing. Now, the CCA comes up, you don't have any foundations or very little behind you. You have some industry money, but how do you plan to get the funding to be able to compete against the foundations? Our core methodology that CCA has um, laid out for us is that it's membership-based, grassroots organization, and we do local fundraisers. Those local fundraising events are pretty much what is supposed to support our efforts. It, the two things are two reasons why we want to do it this way. One is that we want to make sure that we keep our membership involved and active, and two, that if we keep having events with them, then they will stay more active and in not in. Uh, knowing what's going on. So we want to make sure that we're always talking and touching and, and keeping them involved in what we're trying to do because it's not just about us. It's not my show. It's not the Wayne Show. It's CCA Cal. It's our organization to support our industry. Well, in light of this, then, we uh, have some events coming on up that you might want to bring uh, uh, to the attention of our listening audience. Tell us about some of the upcoming events that we need to know about. Yeah, down here in San Diego, we have an event coming up on October 1st. It's a Saturday night. It'll be a craft beer and food food event. Uh, it'll be at Portuguese Hall. Uh, you can go online to Eventbrite and buy the tickets. Um, it's $50 a head to come in, uh, but it'll, it'll be a fun event. We try to have fun events that also support our fishing organization. So that's in San Diego on October 1st. On November 6th, it's a Sunday, we have a crawfish boil up in Orange County, um, so another fun event. It should be some really good food going on in there. Uh, we have some good sponsorship on that one. Um, that'll be at the Cypress Community Center. Uh, it's an afternoon event because it's a crawfish boil on a Sunday. Um, and then we have a couple of open meetings coming up. One in Orange County on November th- or September 13th. It's a Tuesday night at Mimi's Cafe in Lake Forest. And then on September 14th, Wednesday night, we have a meeting up for the L.A. crowd up in Long Beach or in Torrance at the Mimi's Cafe in Torrance. Now, uh, if uh, people miss those dates, where can they go to get this information? 
you can always go to our website and there's a calendar on there which you can click on any one of these items and they'll bring up the uh, the information that's at ccacalifornia.org um, and if you want to be on Facebook look us up CCA of California we are always updating everything that's going on current current events that are happening um, so either way go to our website ccacalifornia.org or like us on Facebook. Now, these events are just not only for members. We invite the general public or anyone that's interested in somebody representing their interest in the fishing community on the saltwater side to see what's happening, to get an update on some of the issues that you're facing, and then to be able to participate. And one of the easiest ways to participate is through membership and then also contributing to the great raffles that you have at these events. Absolutely. Uh, we're always looking for support. We can always use more people helping us out at the local board level or as mem- regular members showing up to events and support. Um, there's always something to do. Uh, you know, it's, it's, again, grassroots. So membership is the key and, and, and active membership is what we want. People showing up to meetings. I know it's during the day. A lot of times during the week, it's hard for people to get there. I understand that. But to show up for a fundraiser or, a, or an open meeting, come out and enjoy it. I mean, we talk about fishing. It's it's our sport. It's our, it's what we love to do. It's our passion. So it's not it's not a bad thing to come out to one of our meetings and talk about it. You okay. know. Okay, Wayne. Before we sign off again, tell us where people can go to get the latest information on the CCA, the meetings, and all that's happening. Go to our website. It's ccacalifornia.org. All right, Wayne Coto. He is president of the Coastal Conservation Association of california wayne thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us and we look forward to seeing you at the meeting oh thank you great time hey this is rod and real radio on am 540 or at com. stay tuned there's still lots more to come we'll be back after these messages You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, welcome back. And we're here at H&M Landing, and Chuck Taft has just come in. I'm the legend uh, from uh, Chuck. How long was the trip you guys were on? Uh, we're on a two-day trip. Oh, my gosh. Well, we've got a two-day trip planned with you on uh, September the 16th. Uh, tell us, what were the current conditions like? Uh, there's a lot of fish where we're fishing right now, and a lot of bites and a lot of casualties, but people are catching trophy fish and catching once-in-a-lifetime fish. This trip, the smallest fish we caught was 57 pounds, and the biggest one was 146. And, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, catching. Uh, how is the, uh, the catch rate compared to the hookup rate? It varies depending on the person with the gear. The guys that are bringing their two speeds that have the Spectre on it and the fluorocarbon and the top shot are doing really, really good. The guys that are trying to fish their 30-pound test and stuff, the casualties are unbelievable. Um, a lot of guys are totally overmatched, and it's due to the gear that they're fishing. And a lot of them have the right gear, but they won't put the 40 or 50 pound on it, put the, or put a bunch of Spectra on it, 80 pound Spectra and stuff, so they can hold enough line. We were literally spooled three times on this trip. Oh, my. So just to make it concise... What is your recommendation if you're going out on anywhere from a day and a half to a two and a half day trip? How should uh, what kind of gear should the guys be bringing? Well, a lot of guys got these beautiful small two-speed reels and stuff, 
But they have them all filled with 30-pound and stuff, and they don't have heavy enough line to fish the quality of fish that we're catching now. Now, the line that they have in the reels and stuff is beautiful for the 30, 40-pound fish, but we haven't seen a fish that small now in 10 days. So, you know, if a guy's got a couple outfits, they need to have a a 40- or 50-pound test outfit and put enough Spectra on it. You know, the Spectra doesn't take up a lot of room on the reels. I mean, you sell the reels and stuff to the shop there, and people know if you put the right line on it and then put a shot of fluorocarbon on it or whatever you want to do, a top shot, you can get a lot on a small reel, and you don't have to fish the giant reel. I mean, they have the small abbots up here at the landing with 40-pound on them and Spectra, and guys are having no problem with that as long as you get at least 40 pounds. I mean, other than that, you're spinning your wheels on these big fish. I'm getting a lot of people come into the shop and they go, well, I can get away with 30, 40 pounds. I don't want to spend the money to put that 65 Spectre on there to go from uh, maybe a, a, a reel that has uh, 250, 300 yard capacity, maybe to 400, 450 yard capacity. But from what I'm hearing from you, it pays to spend that little bit extra money to give yourself a chance. Well, it's really stupid to go spend five to six hundred dollars to go on a two-day trip, or seven hundred fifty dollars on a two-and-a-half-day trip, and not have the right ammunition to go with. I mean, it's a shame to spend that kind of money and hook a once-in-a-lifetime fish and not have a chance to land it. Now we did get a couple of fish on thirty. But for the couple of fish, we probably lost 20 to 1 on the smaller line. So, Anybody get any word on tomorrow's closure? You know, it's, um, it's just really hard to tell people how important it is to have the right gear. Yeah, if you hear some noise in the background, uh, we're talking with Captain Chuck Taft from uh, Sea Adventure Sports Fishing. Uh, we're aboard the Legend right now. Chuck has just come back from... Uh, two-and-a-half-day trip. We're talking about how it went, and uh, obviously uh, Chuck's pretty tired. He's been out uh, chasing fish, and Chuck, are you chasing these fish, or, or how, are you, how are you first running across them? A lot of the fish that we're catching right now for the last couple of weeks, we've been catching on the anchor, and we've been fishing from daylight till dark, and it's been phenomenal. I mean, guys have an opportunity to soak baits forever and ever. Now, some of the times we're looking for uh, sonar schools or breaking fish, but for the last two weeks, most of the fish has been on the backside of Clemente, where people are anchored up. Uh, today, I counted 102 boats anchored up on the backside of Clemente, oh fishing in one area. The area that we're fishing has got all the five-day boats, six-day boats, three-day boats. Everybody's fishing the same thing to have a shot at this world record type fishing. Well, you know, the chances are you go out now uh, uh, during September and uh, you can hook up with a fish with a lifetime, and uh, especially going out at, out of H&M Landing here or, and getting yourself that. It seems like on the three-quarter day boats, they're catching some schooling fish, but if you really want to get a crack at these big fish, you got to go out at least for a day and a half. Yeah, because the trouble being a one-day trip, Right now, it's six and a half hours to get to where we're fishing, and it's six and a half hours home. And the boat's got to turn around and leave again at 9 o'clock at night, so they can only fish till 
one o'clock in the afternoon, and then they have to start home. So it's um, a better shot for the big fish. But it is really the only game in town right now. These big fish. Well, how? What has been the uh, uh, the pattern of these fish? Have they come up from the south? Are they slowly moving north? Uh, what do you think is going to be happening with them uh, during the month of September? It's hard to say. This fish, you got to realize, we started fishing in April. These bluefin, and we're still fishing bluefin. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean. Um, I am really surprised that we have not seen any more smaller yellowfin move up or any Dorado move up. Um, nothing like you normally a September would be. Usually this time of year it's wide open on the smaller yellowfin, Dorado, yellowtail under kelps and stuff, and that's not around. Um, What's keeping these uh, fish in place? Is that where the, uh, uh, the food is or are they on a break or what? Uh, there's a lot of food up there. There's red crabs up there. Uh, there's squid up there. Where most of the boats are making squid during the night to fish with. In the morning, the fish are eating the squid, and then in the afternoon, they're eating the sardine and the mackerel. Um, plenty of bait food around. So they're just absolutely jugged still with red crabs. We still have red crabs everywhere. So if you make a recommendation, uh, what type of lures should the fishermen uh, be fishing? We've heard things like flat falls, snipers, yo-yo jigs. Uh, is all that stuff working, or are you still catching a lot of uh, uh, bait fish? We're catching more bait fish on the anchor than we are on the iron. When we're off drifting in the deeper water and stuff, the flat balls, the snipers and stuff work really good. But... The flatball jigs and the colts and the snipers work in the gray, but it seems like after daylight, where we're fishing right now, it's been much, much better fishing, fly lining and fishing a small slider sinker. Okay, and uh, when it comes to a recommendation, uh, uh, I understand larger hooks are probably uh, uh, the order of the day. Yeah, but you don't want to get overkill on your hooks. That's a big thing that people have. I mean, if you you guys got to look at the bait that you have on each trip and go from the size bait that you have to have the right bait on the hook for the bait. Because if you put too big a hook on it, the bait's not going to be able to swim freely and act the way you want a bait to act to get bit. You put a giant hook on, it's going to work as a sinker, and it's going to sink the bait and stuff and have the bait uh, swim freely. So you need to have everything in your arsenal because uh, when we have greenback mackerel, you can fish the heavy 80-pound test. We had a guy fish 100-pound and get three fish for one uh, one day and two the second day on the last trip. They bit the 100-pound on a big greenback mackerel. So you have to have an assortment of hooks to be able to handle the different size baits that you have to fish with. Wow. You know, that is just so exciting. The The deal is, I know it's got to be kind of frustrating to you as a skipper because you found the fish, you know where they are, you know what they're, they're biting on, yet you just can't uh, you just can't get them home. It, it, the fish are still a lot larger than the fishermen that uh, are fishing for them think that they are, and so they're coming undergunned. A lot of that's true, but you know, 
we our racial on this trip wasn't uh, as good as some, but this was the happiest group got off the boat. <laughs> I mean that we've ever had. I mean, for them to have a once in a lifetime opportunity, everybody at least had one or two shots at these big fish. So, you know, for them to have that opportunity is just fantastic. I, I mean, I've never seen the quality of big fish that we're catching. Even when we fish the pens and stuff, we never had this quality of fish that we're catching now. Well, you know, uh, I was here when you came in. I was watching the guys get off, and they were all high-fying each other. Now, this is a, a group of guys that have been on the boat for uh, two and a half days, and they get off the boat. They are laughing. They're high-fying. They're patting each other on the back. They're already making plans to come back uh, next year because they had a great time. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody's disappointed. I mean, they they know the opportunity that they had and the chances they had. So they they thought it was great. Well, it's better to have loved and lost than not to have loved at all. And at least that you can take them out there and give them the opportunity to catch a fish of a lifetime. What more can you ask for? Oh, you can't ask for anything more. And I mean... They all understand. 99% of the people understand. So all right. it makes it really great. A lot of fun. Chuck, now we're uh, you know looking at mid-September. Uh, uh, if people want to book uh, with Sea Adventure Sports Fishing to do the legend Sea Adventure 2, uh, uh, where can they go to get that information? The easiest place is to go to H&M Landing's website, pull up the legend, and pull up the Sea Adventure 2, and you can get it on the open party trips that we have. So... Don't miss a shot at these big fish, guys. I know, and the trips are filling up fast. It's it's hard to you can't get on the last minute. You still have to anticipate. But I tell you, we got a trip coming up with you on the sixteenth. Uh, I believe it's sold out. And man, everyone to the T is looking forward to going on out there and trying to get a hold of one of these big fish to bring home. Oh yeah, I mean, people won't be disappointed. Not at all. I thought it was uh, one of the most interesting comments I've heard in a long time. The guys didn't come home with big fish, but boy, they all came home with sore arms. So that's at least showing that they had the opportunity to catch some really nice fish. Yeah, it was really good. It was fun. You know, people just don't realize the opportunity that they have right now. And for people to look at the counts on the boats is very, very deceptive because... If a boat comes in with 25 or 30 of these fish, they've hooked 75 of these big fish to land those. So, wow. I mean, the numbers are very deceiving. If you're going by watching the fish counts and going by the numbers, you guys are really missing the bet because you got to understand the quality of fish that we're catching. Well, now is the time. Now that as you are listening to this broadcast... Take a look at the schedule, get with H&M Landing, go find out what the legend's doing, go out and find out what Sea Adventure 2 is doing. If you can't spend that much time, find one of the other boats here at H&M Landing. Just get on out there and give yourself the opportunity because this time next year, it could be completely different. Nobody knows when we're going to have another opportunity like this. Nobody anticipated this year to be this way. So we all figured... We'd all have nothing but yellowfin everywhere and a Dorado and stuff. Nobody knows what Mother Nature is going to give you. All right. Well, Chuck, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spend some time. I know you're just back from a two-and-a-half-day trip. You, you and your crew, you've been rode hard, put away wet, and you still have to get the boat ready to turn it around to go out again. Thank you so much for spending some time and giving us the latest skinny on what's happening out there. 
Thank you very much. Good fishing to everybody. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you, too, on the 16th. Hey, this is Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. There's still a lot more show to come. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Anglers Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of western plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong circle hooks, Tuna hooks, ring to hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, I'm excited about our next guest. We've got actually two guests with us. We've got David Conway from Conway Custom Rods, and we've got Randy Penny with us from United Composites. And Dave, if I can, would you like to introduce Randy to our listening audience? Yes. um, So Randy Penny came over from Seeker, and now he's with United Composites. Randy, how are you doing? Real good tonight, guys. How are you? Oh, great. Hey, Randy, thanks a lot for uh, being with us. You know, we... We had you first on when you, you made the transition, and if you can, briefly tell us a little bit about United Composite Rods and how it has evolved since you've taken over the helm. <laughs> well, you know, originally it was the Graphite USA Company. It went through a few changes after that and later on became Hastings Rod Company. Um, I believe that Peter Williams bought it from the Hastings Group and then renamed it United Composites. He was doing business under United Tackle. Um, I was very fortunate when when um, things came to an end over there at Seeker for us, and 
this this was available. Peter made it available for us to take over this business, and I'm very thankful to him for that. But um, what, I, what I've really noticed is it's such a wonderful technical process building these particular type of rods that, that we've um, we've really knuckled down and learned how to build all the original Graphite USA stuff. And and since then we've uh, moved ahead and come out with some composite blanks built on the same technology, and now we're building finished rods and. And then on top of that, we've got the old Pep Jig Company and the Killer Jig Company there at the plant. And our newest addition is SurfaceIron.com, which is our new website strictly for jig fishermen. Wow. Now, Randy, one of the I, things, uh, uh, you know, Graphite USA was noticed for was what they called their dual helix technology uh, that uh, uh, Richard Kantner had originally come up with uh, to be able to build a rod that was lighter, stronger, uh, you know, state-of-the-art. Uh, are you still using that technology, and has what you are doing now evolved even from there? Yeah, let me, let me uh, step I, in just I, I a think... second before Randy answers that question. Uh, I, I am blessed to have been able to work with Dick Kanner. I got to be the first guy on the pro staff for, for Graphite USA, and and worked hand-in-hand to do a a lot of the R&D and take them and break them and see what we can make out of several different uh, blanks that that he was making with this dual helix uh, technology, which was 20 years ahead of the rest of the world. And then when it was purchased and went away, um, I had already gone to work with different companies, but one of the people I got to work with was this brilliant man that, that was making fishing rods better than anybody else for the ocean and came up with the super seekers and, and some other technologies for, for making rods there was a seeker named Randy Penny. So I, I'm, I've had a great, and I, I get to call this man friend also, so it's been fun for me to watch the evolution one where I worked with Graphite USA for years until they were sold off and kind of went out of business, and then to work with Randy hand in hand, and we swap a lot of things, you know, what do you think? back and forth while we were uh, working with Seeker there. And now Randy's taking Randy's knowledge, and given that he has learned so much about how to build this dual helix uh, composite rods from from what Dick Kantner brought to the table, and now put that same information into the blanks and the rods today, I, I think we have something that we haven't yet seen in our fishing world, which is going to be fun to watch as the evolution of now the United Composites comes into our game. Well, Randy, what do you think? Well, we, we definitely, to answer the first question, we definitely are still utilizing the dual helix process. It's an uh, amazing process. It's, uh, it's a way of laying the graphite fibers in different directions on the blank where Normally, on a graphite rod, the fibers all go tip to butt or what they call unidirectional. We're able to put the fibers on in three different directions, which gives the blanks incredible hoop strength, and it does allow them to be very, very thin diameter and very strong. Very blessed to have have learned this process, and and we've moved forward with it. We've taken the graphite USA blanks and now come out with composite rods that we call our Elite Series. And then even beyond that, we've pushed the limits of the graphite rods under the profile of Graphite USA and come out with some new blanks like the US-80 tilefish blank that is just a phenomenon. I, I can't believe how many of them we build and sell. It's a, it's a eight-foot, 50-pound rod with an incredibly fast tip, but the key to the whole rod is it's a 50-pound rod with a size eight tip. I don't think there's anything like it out there. 
Yeah, we played around a little bit with some jig sticks. Our love for jig fishing is growing by the day, and we, we've come out with some new rods, um, the 1000 Wahoo, the 900 Wahoo, and now we have one called the US 1000 Delmar that we named after our guys up there in Marina Del Rey on the boat Delmar because they're such avid jig fishermen. So all of this stuff is just really exciting. It's all new, uh, brand new stuff for the anglers to have something to fish with this year. You know, Randy, uh, let me ask you, when when it comes to developing a new blank, and David, maybe you can jump in here. I'm not as familiar with the, the saltwater uh, blanks. You know, back when Graphite USA was going, they had the Mega Mag series, and they were trying to get into the saltwater market. But Graphite USA was probably on the leading edge when it came to freshwater swimbait rods and swimbait fishing, and and. How do you go about developing a new blank, you know, finding out the need and then figuring out just, you know, how the thing is supposed to function for what you want to do? And and we've got David Conway here, so either one of you can take it away. Randy, let me start off with you. Um, it, it's really interesting, but it's, it's more practical than technical. Um, once you've been around it as long, the 20-some-odd years that I've been doing this now, and you get to look at all the different patterns and all the different mandrels, you have different tapers and mandrels, and it, it's real easy once you start looking at it with a pattern laid out on a table and then looking at what the fishing rod is supposed to do. The specific layers of patterns cause the shutoff points, and you can alter that. You can change the materials to a stiffer or softer material, and you can use the tapers on the mandrel to get the actions you require really funny but i i've always said that we somebody brings us something that says man i'd really like you to make something like this we usually get it within the third try and i think david will be the first one to jump up and attest to that <laughs> yeah i think it was two tries for, for my <laughs> my old swimbait rod you know randy though but what, what happens so it's kind of like you know us with the fishing lures too uh the uh, the first uh mold that we have we we make the lure and then we go out and we try it and we go well, we think it's supposed to do that, but it doesn't actually do that. In order to get to do that, then we got to tweak this and we got to make it again, and then make it a third time or a fourth time. And it it doesn't always work the first time. But are there a lot of times when you may make a uh, a mandrel for a rod and it goes, you know, this doesn't do what we were looking for it to do, but you know, this is still a darn good blank, and and there might be an application somewhere else. Um, that's probably why there ends up being a lot of prototypes on the market <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> well randy it's just like uh the first try of my my dc8 blank that you make for me turned out to be the first one now is your mega bass rod that you that you have it wasn't yeah, very, exactly my blank but it was a great blank that that's absolutely correct and i was a fun project i was so happy that you gave us the opportunity to do that dave and you know I'd like to tell everyone that you'd been with Graphite USA since the beginning and came all the way up through Hastings, and now we're very happy to say that you're with us. You've been a real asset to the company, and I just appreciate that. I hope everybody uh, gets a chance to fish your DC-8 rods and talk to you about your swim bait fishing and whatnot. Yeah, I appreciate it. I That I, that phone call you gave me was, was changed me back to being a rod builder. I, <laughs> I was so happy with the blank that I made with Roy back then, and and couldn't get it anymore, but uh, now, uh, now in the other stuff, some of the bigger bait rods that we're playing with is is getting exciting. Yeah, I agree. Well, it just seems like with these swim baits, the baits just keep growing. Uh, I guess they're growing up. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Well, Great. you know, you're seeing a lot more. We were talking even with Ed, Ed Edmonds, uh, um 
and he, and when Edwin was talking, he, he's just now. He said even the guys back east are just now starting to get it with the swim baits, and the, and and they're becoming more and more popular. But the swim bait rods back east really are just now starting to go. These guys back east have just as much as they we talk about it out here, and you see what they're throwing back there. Um, I talked to a guy from Indiana. He goes, I'm just now starting to figure out, you know, a nine inch swim bait works better than, uh, the six inch ones if you want to catch bigger fish. And I went, well, how many other people are, are, are talking about that? He goes, it's starting to be a thing back here where we're having to use heavier rods or bigger rods that throw bigger baits. So it's, it's, I think the, the, the party is just starting, uh, and I, I love, the what is your rod the DC eight or the DV eight? Because we uh, graphite USA used to have like DV eight um, with kit when we were playing around with it. it was a great stick, but um, uh, is that what we redid the DV eight or the D is yours DC eight? Yeah, DC for David Conway. But it's um, <laughs> it's something I played with with Roy um, on a small mandrel. I was doing a lot of rods that were going to Japan. They wanted yep. that smaller profile, and then we got the bend that we wanted with the smaller mandrel. So yeah, that's the DC-8. That, that DC-8 David Conway, yep. Yep. So, David, is that a 20-pound stick, or what, is it, what do you utilize that for? Um, it's kind of – everybody's always said it's like the perfect Huddleston rod. It's, uh, it's not too fast, but it's a little faster than most. It's still got the bend that you can throw the bait. It's not going to hurt you all day long. Um Almost all my rods, I do spiral wrap, which kind of helps with it too. So I kind of play with that with that bend. Dave was saying spiral wrap. A lot of us old timers might know that as the Roberts, Roberts wrap. Roberts wrap. Exactly. Is, is Roberts it, wrap. Yep. Is it exactly the same, or does it have some unique uh, similarities? No. About 25 years ago, I I saw the Roberts wrap, and I thought I like you know the whole getting away from that lateral twist and just making I like stuff that's different. So I started playing with it, but I noticed that the traditional Roberts wrap would stack line on a level line, stack it to one side. So I started playing with the angles and a little bit different. So my I have something a little different that that changes all that, takes all that that bend out of it, and it's a little bit in my it just fixed a lot of the little little problems. So what was happening is that there were rods on the market that people thought that were revolutionary with the spiral wrap or this uh, Roberts wrap, and they hadn't figured out. They were just placing maybe uh, guides on the blank to go around the blank, but hadn't found out that there was actually a formulation that had to be used where these things had to go so that it performed the way it was supposed to perform. Yeah, exactly. Even like Megabass makes a rod that's spiral wrapped in Japan, but it stacks the line really bad. And and there a lot of people are just trying to get that transition from the top to the bottom. But there's actually more to it. If you look at mine, mine are a little bit off, but there's a reason to it. Randy, we got to take a break right now. Is there any way you can stay with us for another segment so we can talk more about uh, United Composites? Sure thing. All right. Well, if you've been listening, we're talking about fishing rods and swim bait rods and all kinds of great rods from United Composite. Randy Penny was with us. So is David Conway. Stan, Wendy, and I, hey, we're asking the questions. We will be back, though, after these messages. Stay tuned. There's still a lot more to come. 
can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El CajonFord.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Quanta Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. In Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. Stan Whitney and I, we are happy to have you tonight. And we've got special guest with us, uh, Dave Conway, who is a rod builder and swim bait expert, uh, ex- you know, for sure. And then also from United Composites, Randy Penny is with us. And we're, we're talking about some of the new exciting rods that are coming out of United Composites right now. And, and Randy, if, if you will, can you tell us about the different categories of rods that you're building, not only for freshwater, but also saltwater fishing? Sure. Starting down on the, on the bottom end of it, we have a, a single helix line of blanks that, that are called Pioneer Series. Um, the reason for the single helix is to keep the tip sizes small and the action very light. They start with your lightest of panfish rods going all the way up through big trout rods and whatnot. And then we have 
our U.S. blanks, which are the saltwater, the freshwater heavier side, which is all of our bass rods, very complete, everything from five foot six all the way up to eight foot, and those are those are really nice rods. Those are all dual helix rods. We have the complete line of Graphite USA blanks, which all start in U.S. and they start down around the little jigging blanks and whatnot, going all the way up to the to the ten foot stuff. All made off the original patterns, the original mandrels. I think the material has probably improved a little bit over the last twenty years, but other than that, the blanks are are very much similar to the Graphite USA blanks that you're all familiar with. And um, we have two lines of composite rods. One of them. We call the Challenger Elite, which is your bait rods, your lighter rods. Um, we also have those out in a, in a line of factory-built rods out in the dealers now. Um, and then we have um, a series of composite rods that are called Platinum Series that have the woven carbon on the outside of them. They're a heavier blank. They're faster action, really make good West Coast sport boat rods. They're just heavy-duty all the way around. And then the, probably the most exciting thing that's happened for us was the composite extreme rods that go up into the big tuna rail rods. And I think the, right now that our 7.6 Viper, the 7-foot-6 Viper, is probably the hottest rail rod out on the market right now. It just seems to be crazy. We can't build enough of them. Wow. You know, I, I see it. I've, I've seen the rod now on the last two trips that I've been on where people had them and just raved about the action and how they loved them. So it's making its own way into the sport fishing fleet and uh and the guys are just now starting to get a hold of the the actually it's kind of getting out that that's a really good choice for uh a stick if you're going to go out and you need a big fish rail rod and lighter weight tons of lift power and uh they the actions on them are great so you know you've done a great job but of course you've got a long long history of being able to build that rod in the first place yeah, it's just this new process has allowed us to do things differently. And like you said, the profile of the blanks is smaller. But with the with the way that the dual helix and the graphite are put into the blanks, even though they're a smaller tip and a smaller diameter rod, they have more lifting power than things that I've played around with in the past. It allows you to use a little bit smaller reel seat, smaller grips, and all in all, the rod, you know, modern reels have come a long ways. And where guys used to fish 50s and 80s, now they're fishing 20s and 30s. And sure. so the lighter rods are really matching up well with these this new line of high-performance reels. And when you start... You know, toting the rod and reel around that boat, especially you know when, when you're talking about that that kind of weight and you got to hold on to it all day, mm-hmm. it really makes a difference. And and uh, and you get the right rod when you get it on the fish, it really makes a big difference because you need the lift power from the rod to do the work. And a lot of rods, when they bottom out, they don't have that recoil to bring it back up, which the, the dual helix rod has always had that component. It will always re- wants to return to its original. A uh, flat spot, and that man, it's got a plenty of pull. Yeah, that's that's the truth. And I thought the really unique thing about them is they're able to have a much lighter tip, so they make a better rod to get the bait out away from the boat. Yep, you can cast them easier, uh, and especially with the newer, bigger guides. You know, now that we're not doing the uh, the roller guides much anymore, you very rarely do you see that on the. On the guys' rods when they're fishing 80 to 130, even then, even then, you standard guides, and um, and now the titanium lightweight guides that are available on the market, and the, some of the Fuji guides that are out there makes it a whole lot easier, nicer, lighter weight rods with great action. Yeah, and they do, they're not having the problem with the spectra getting caught between the roller and the sides of the frame. So I think uh, all in all, a lot less attrition on the fish. 
It is. It's made a huge difference, you know. And uh, and and I we were talking even back when when uh, when you were first getting started, you know. It, by the way, Randy's an excellent fisherman. For all of you who don't know, and he has a real passion for surface iron that he loves to throw the iron. And we were kicking around, you know, trying to figure out what's the new, what's going to be the next, you know, rod for wahoo fishing or for surface iron. And you come up this, what the, explain what the tile fish rod is, because out here in the West, nobody knows what a tile fish is. That's an East Coast thing. Yeah, it's funny. Um, a tile fish is actually like our ocean whitefish, but they get to be 50 pounds. And the one thing that's kind of similar to the way we fish yellows out here is they catch them in the wrecks, and they're down in, in the wrecks already when they have hook them. So they need a real quick hook set, and they need to get the first couple turns on them, kind of like fishing yellows at the Farnsworth there for us. Yeah. So as soon as the West Coast guys started fishing this rod and got a hold of it. Guys just went crazy. I mean, it's it's such a light, fishable, 50-pound rod. It's amazing. So um, the tile fish rod in itself is just an anomaly. I would say you would have to try one to understand what it's all about. Really fast action, small diameter graphite blank, but has crazy lifting power for 50-pound test. So what what length do you think is best for throwing surface iron, or do you, would you use it for yo-yo fishing also? Mm-hmm. I think it makes a really good dropper loop or yo-yo rod. Um, myself, personally, I tend to lean towards the 9- and 10-foot rods for surface iron throwing, depending on what boat you're on and how much room you have. Probably 9-foot is more usable overall. But uh, I, I like a rod that bends a little bit more, that's a little more parabolic for loading up, for throwing the surface iron, where the tilefish rod throws the wahoo bomb or the heavy yo-yo jigs real well. Perfect. So what do you use for What's your rod for, for your 8-foot? Your or your, your 9 or 10-foot surface iron now? Um, CE900 Wahoo is my favorite on the 9-foot, and the new CE1000 Delmar on the tel- on the 10-foot. Well, Randy, you know, one thing I'm impressed with with uh, Graphite USA, you look at other manufacturers and with their quote-unquote entry-level rods or anything like that, those blanks are not necessarily made in the United States, but I think Graphite USA has found out a way to make all of the rods made locally uh, where you are and here in the United States. Yep, right there in Huntington Beach, California. We couldn't be prouder of that fact. Uh, I, I can imagine why not. The other thing is, you know, Graphite used to, uh, USA used to be known for just blanks, but it sounds like now you are coming up with a lot of finished product, but also you still have blanks. How does the hobbyist or... You know, the, the custom wrap guy, how do they get a hold of you to find out what the blanks are like and what blanks you have available to sell? Well, we, we, we have a lot of really strong dealers up and down the coast now that are carrying a lot of the blanks. But um, we, we do have a program for custom rod builders that have a business license and a resale permit. As long as they're legitimate and taking care of everything, we have a program just for them. It's uh, not quite the same deal as we have for the dealers, but it allows them to get in and get some blanks and build them. Great. Let me ask another question here, Randy, while we got you on here. Um, when Graphite USA was uh, going great guns back when, they found that the, the rods, you could throw a bait a long ways. They were lighter weight, very strong, and you could set the hook on them when, uh, when you needed to, and, and they wouldn't break. And the guys offshore fishing in the Calico Bass Sand Bass Arena, became, that became the rod of choice for uh, many of the years now. What have you? How are the, are you making blanks and rods in that arena now? And have they become uh, part of that new 
SWBA and whatever the guys are using out there now? Well, yeah, that's really interesting. And just as of recently, apparently, you know, my co-part there, Darren Doe, he has got us set up with with the saltwater bass guys, and uh, we're going to be a sponsor of some of the tournaments and whatnot. Um, that there's that we we have developed some rods. We've got an amazing following on the local twilight boats for the sand bass fishery, and probably the rod of choice was the one David Conway mentioned earlier, which came about when we were building the DC8. We call it the US80 Mega Bass, and that rod. Just by chance, I've been told by my tournament freshwater bass guys that that's probably the best Alabama rig rod that's ever been made also. Really? Mm-hmm. So Isn't some of these blanks, fun? they really <laughs> cross over and do quite a few different things. The tilefish blank is interesting because the guys are fishing it for tilefish on the East Coast. Now it's being used as a wahoo rod, a dropper loop rod, and a yo-yo rod out here on the West Coast. And now all of a sudden the guys in the Midwest are fishing muskie with it. So you got a blank that's capable of doing a lot of different things. Well, that says a lot about the rod. You know, you can throw a heavy weight or a heavy bait. You know, if they're the, those muskie guys, they're throwing four to six ounces at a, at a toss a lot of the time. Yep. So that's, that's a, something for the rod. And then you're hanging those muskies are like, Wahoo, but fresh water. <laughs> they <laughs> eat, they eat short to the boat, and they get pretty violent. So if if the rods will hang in and and work on that fish, that's saying something. Yeah, David, yeah, do you have pretty... a comment here? Yeah, I was going to say that the first time I picked up the tile fish, the first thing I thought of is the the big swim baits, the big mothers, the big hinkles, the big swim baits we're throwing for freshwater, and and I love the look on Randy's face. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, we're throwing. You know, eight ounce, ten ounce, you know, even even stuff over a pound for these largemouth. And the tilefish was a great rod. I've built quite a few, and now I'm working on something with Randy for one that's just a little softer than that to to throw the big swim bait. So, but that tilefish is an amazing rod. Those up, those came up this week, by the way, David. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, David, <laughs> as a custom rod builder. Oh, what is the demand for when it comes to the the rods that you're wrapping uh, on uh, you know uh, United Composite blanks? The nice thing is, is guys that remember me when I did it years ago and kind of wasn't able to get the blanks. That uh, now that I'm able to get my stuff again, it's really gotten big. And kind of like Stan was saying, I get I get emails and Facebook messages from guys all over Southern California about swim bait stuff, but now it's the East Coast guys I'm sending rods out to. These guys are throwing, finally figuring out, throwing the bigger swim baits and, and needing the rods to do it. So uh, as an example, what kind of a question do they ask you, and then how do you respond to their request? Well, especially most of the guys that have been throwing maybe a 5- or 6-inch swim bait, now they're realizing, you know, these bass eat big stuff. So they have they might have a musky rod that throws their swim bait. But, but the rods that are a real swim bait rod, and that's the thing, as Graphite USA with the old woodchucker, that, that was made for swim baits. It wasn't a saltwater rod that turned over to, to be a freshwater swim bait and, rod. And what's the characteristic of that as opposed to, let's say, a mus- musky rod? Well, musky rods are kind of a tip rod. They're really heavy, so it's it's putting more pressure on the on the angler to throw them all day long. Um, our rods are a little little more bend. Some guys get into like a parabolic, so you're doing kind of a baseball cast instead of an overhand cast. So they're they're figuring out kind of the stuff that we can do to go throw that bait all day long. So my rods are a little faster with my spar wrap. A couple of things that I do, it's a little little different than most, but. Like I said, they're built from the ground up for swim baits. 
Randy, when uh, David came to you and says, hey, let's build some rods and we can chuck some uh, 10 uh, to 14-ounce baits with, did that make you a little antsy, or was that uh, something that was uh, right in your wheelhouse? Well, that's not exactly how it went down. I think I showed him the blank first, yep. and he realized that, wow, this is what we've been looking for. Yeah, exactly. So we had the tilefish blank there, but on that on the line of 7-Eleven swim bait rods, we have an L, an M, an MH and an H. The L, I can say for sure, throws the little Huddleston 68 perfectly. It's the absolute perfect rod for that. Then moving up in the size of the baits as you move up through those rods. Well, you know, Randy, uh, a dealer does not have the capabilities of, of stocking normally everything that you do have. If people want to come out and find out about your complete line, maybe uh, about a, a special-use rod that we haven't talked about here tonight or they've not been able to find in the market, where's the best place to go for this information? Well, I mean, we do have a complete catalog out now. Darren Dohe did a very good job of getting us a catalog. I'd say the first step would be to either go on our website or or ask, you know, request a catalog from us. All right. The first All right, I'm going to throw one thing out there, too, here, Randy, since... We're, we've we've got this bluefin bite that's going off the beach right now. We're going to have a another tuna year and yellowtail year here. What are the rods we'd be looking for for the guys that are fishing twenty five or thirty pounds string, or even twenty to thirty pounds string for the the bluefin that are offshore here for that smaller stuff? And then when we get into that thirty to fifty pound fish that's out there and even bigger, which blanks or which rods will we look for from you guys? Well, that's that's interesting that you brought that up, and depending on how closely you're following that stuff, this year, over every other year, and starting with the guys on the boat San Diego and moving up, um, these guys have figured out that these bluefin want the surface iron, and they're doing a better job this year. I'd never even heard of such a thing, but, I mean, there's been more big bluefin caught on surface iron this year than even on bait, I think, at this point. And the guys are throwing the heavy stuff. They're using CE-1000 Wahoos, CE-900 Wahoos. I know Gerald Kim two weekends ago, he hooked a bunch of them. Steve Howe got a couple of nice fish. All those guys are doing a great job on the surface iron with these rods. Uh, if you're going to fish a bait rod, I would be looking at like our CP line of blanks, a 70HP, um, 70H, 70XH in that area, CP in the CP line. All right. Well, Randy Penny from United Composites. Randy, again, give us your website that we can go to if we uh, uh, need further information on United Composite Rods. Yep, it's uh, it's unitedcompositesusa.com. All right. Well, Randy, we appreciate taking your Sunday night to, to be with us. And we used to refer to him as the new guy, and here he is, a new guy again somewhere else. Uh, Darren, <laughs> it's great to see you guys working together again, and, man, you've You've got it working, and we look forward to talking to you in the future and also having some of your products here in the store. And, uh, geez, good luck to you. Great job, okay? All righty. Thank you very much, guys. All right. That was Randy Penny from United Composite Rods. We'll be back after these messages. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. 
Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Well, you know, when we were talking with Catherine Miller, she talked about one of the, uh, uh, you know, good things about the San Diego fleet is when you come in, there are a number of fish processors you can call on to get your fish processed. They'll, you'll, they'll come and pick up your fish or you can drop it off. So we decided to give one of those fish processors a call. Maybe you haven't heard about them. If you haven't, I don't know where you've been hiding because this is, these, this is probably the company that started it all. Let's uh, get in contact right now with Ryan Muniz. He is from Sportsman Seafood Processing. And, Ryan, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Thank you very much, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hey, and, Ryan, I think I, I butchered your name. Is it uh, it's, it's Moniz or Muniz or what? Moniz. It's Portuguese. Moniz. Yep. <laughs> That's important to know. It, that's all right. A lot of people, a lot of people mess it up, but it's okay. As long hey, as they remember well, the first name. Hi, Wendy. How are you? Good. How are you? Nice to hear from you. Thank you. Long time no see. About a week now, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hopefully will be back at the end of this month. Well, I, that's the all ladies trip we were talking about. So yes, I will definitely be seeing you guys. 
I know you're lined Great. up for my trip just after that, the first part of September, so. Very well. I'm looking forward to actually finally meeting you guys in person. Well, you in person. I got to meet Wendy the other day for the first time, so. There you have it. it. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, Ryan, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, sportsman seafood processing in the past when we had uh, Mario Gio on with us, and and uh, unfortunately we lost Mario here just a little bit ago. But just to give us a, just a brief little history about uh, sportsman seafood uh, and what's happening with it today. Well, uh, sportsman seafood has been in existence since the late 50s, early 60s, um, we have a retail restaurant, a fresh fish market, as well as our processing facility. Now, the processing part of it, uh, you're right, as you said before, we were one of the first ones down there at the landings in Point Loma to offer uh, fish processing, uh, along with Anthony's um, restaurant, family of uh, restaurants that they have, but they also did processing at the beginning. And then uh, there was Mike Burns, and he was kind of a quick hit. He was in and out, and then uh, Five Star came along. And they're obviously still in existence. And then the newest one would be Fisherman's Processing. Um, a lot of people remember our place as, quote-unquote, Mario's, because he was pretty much the the main man in this industry. And unfortunately, we lost him on uh, December 2nd of 2014. And obviously, he'll be, he's missed by a lot of us, uh, myself included. He was kind of a father figure to me. I lost my father when I was four. So Mario, uh, I, I'm, I've always been really close with his two of his sons, and uh, he kind of took me under his wing, and I've been at Sportsman Seafood for almost 12 years now, and ever since his passing, I've pretty much taken over the processing side of things, and, you know, moving forward, everything looks good as long as all these wonderful anglers continue to uh, catch fish. And you know what I have to say? I, I don't use processors. I tried a couple of the processors out. I wasn't happy, but when I got my fish... From your uh, from Sportsman, it was the best. I love it, and now it's going to save me lots of time. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. You know, people, and I appreciate the compliments as well. But at the end of the day, processors, we all we all pretty much do the same thing. We all do good work. Nobody's perfect. You're going to have your occasional broken bag, or you know, a little bit later as, as far as your expected time for same day. Every day is different, you know, but at the end of the day, we also do the same work. Um, I think it's more of a, a personal relationship with whether it be myself or Sarah, Five Star, or Sean at Fisherman's. You know, you, you go with who you like, but uh, for the most part, we all do good work. Um, once again, Mario is kind of the one who really put his footprint in on this, and, and he, you know, taught us well. We have the same staff that we've had for many years now. Uh, especially in regards to the processing side of things, our, our main filet, Manuel, he's he's been with us. Sure, he was with Mario for uh, I would say a good ten years before I even came on board. So I'd say over twenty years now he's been there. So you know, once again, you guys catch fish. We stay busy in a perfect world. I think all three processors, if, if we'd all be busy, if fishing was was perfect every every year. But you know, it's it's up and down. I was talking to a guy earlier today matter of fact i was listening to your show here for a little bit as well and talking about the bluefin and um you know i've seen a 262 pounder brought in today and wow. uh, by by spearing and i hear you know from these guys whether they're spearing them or just fishing them on their private boats they say there's thousands of them uh, thousands of them out there but 
you know, it's one of those things, these big boats, for as loud as they are and with their size, you know, bluefin are smart fish, and they scatter when they hear the noise. And, you know, to see such a big fish come from so close is, is I don't want to say rare, but it's definitely a beautiful sight to see. Because, you know, as processors, we see a little bit of everything. And uh, this time of year, it's a ton of yellowtail, uh, which, thank God, it's saved our fleet uh, for the most part. And, it, you know, it's a beautiful fish as well, good-tasting fish and everything else. So we all want the big bluefin. Doesn't mean we're all going to catch it. But, you know, yellowtail and some smaller-grade yellowfin right now, hopefully they get bigger, which I believe they will. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be not just a good summer, but, which it has been thus far, but I think it's going to make for an even better winter when it comes to the long-range boats going out you know, for anywhere from 7 to 15 days. I, last year was a great sign at the large yellow fence, so let's hope it stays the same this year. Mario, uh, Mario, I'm sorry about that. Ryan, is is there any technical difference when it comes to processing uh, uh, an animal like that that may be 60, 70 pounds and then one that's 150 pounds and then all of a sudden jump up to one that's 260 pounds? Tell us a little bit about you know some of the the difficulties or some of the uh, the things that you run into when when processing uh, fish of these sizes. You know, there's really no difficulty. I think it's more of a difficulty to the uh, to the person actually process having it processed because it's a cost matter. You know, you, you get five yellowtail and an average of twenty pounds. You have a hundred pounds of fish, and at our rate, we're seventy five cents a pound, which we keep at the lowest of all three as well. By the way, and uh, you know the angler has a $75 bill. Now, if you come in with a 200-pound fish, you're, it's, you know, twice the twice the amount that you're paying for one fish. But the, the work of it, it's all the same. You know, it may take two guys to load a, a big fish of that size versus one guy being able to handle so many at once. But overall, it's, it's the same concept. We're just cutting it up to whatever portion the angler prefers. Most common is a one-pound pack because uh, it's about a two-person portion serving. But for the most part, there's really no difference in cutting them all. Our, uh, everybody who fillets within a processing facility knows that it's more of an art, the way these guys cut the fish. I mean, believe me, I get on the board very rarely because I'm more of a hack with that knife in my hand. But you've got to trust the professionals for things like that, and they all do a great job with it. Wow. It, you know, uh, when you uh, bring in a fish that's over 200 pounds, what what percentage of yield do you get off of a fish like that? Do you, do you get a better percentage as the fish gets larger, or is there an optimum size like uh, you know 150 where you get the best ratio and then it goes one way or the other? Well, uh, for the most part, the bigger the fish, the bigger the yield. Um, it does top off. You know, you're, you're really not going to see much more than a 50% return on, on just about any fish, no matter what the size. Um, as we were saying earlier, you know, a 200-pound fish is going to yield you 40, 45, maybe upwards of 50%, depending on whether or not it was going gutted. But then you take a 15-pound yellowfin, and unfortunately a lot of people get their, their head too high and they expect eight pounds of finished product back. And unfortunately that's not how it works. Uh, a, a fish of about a 15-pound range it, you're lucky if you see five, five, six pounds of finished product out of something like that. Mm. And tell me about the quality of the meat. Let's say bluefin tuna is is the the quality of meat on a, a uh, an eighty or ninety pound fish maybe better than one on a 
a 260-pound fish when it comes to fat content, graininess, or, or any or sinew or any of that stuff? The main thing is that the bigger the fish, the more grainy they get. You, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. And I've, I've learned all these things over the years of being in this business. And, you know, when people catch a big fish, 200-pound plus, they're not necessarily catching it for the, the taste that they're ultimately going to get off their fillets. It's more of what they call a trophy fish to where I know I'm a good eater, too, believe me, especially when it comes to bluefin. I, I would prefer a 30- to 50-pound bluefin eating-wise before I would 150 to a 200-pounder any day of the week. Wow. Now, uh, uh, we're speaking yeah, with uh, Ryan Muniz. 200-pounder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're speaking with Ryan uh, Muniz. He is from uh, uh, Sportsman Seafood Processing. He's over there uh, in, uh, in Mission Bay right next to Seaforth. And, and, Ryan, I know probably a lot of your business just come directly from Seaforth, but for people that are, you know, that are going out of the landings on Scott Street and stuff like that, give us some of the ways that they can contact you or that you can uh, – you, you'll be able to handle their fish. How's, how's the best way of going about doing that for these folks that want to give you a try? Well, you can always call us. At our, our landline is 619-224-3551. Um, we're open every day but Monday. Uh, as far as the us meeting the boats for processing, we, we service all boats of three days or longer duration of trip. Um, Excel, Intrepid, Royal Polaris, Royal Star, X, uh, and American Angler, Independence, Red Rooster, Spirit of Adventure. I mean, all of these boats were there for 100% of their trips. Um, we're located about a six, seven-minute drive away from the landings down there on Scott Street, uh, as you said, right next to Seaport uh, Sport Fishing. Uh, basically, we we have a great working relationship with Seaport um because we are so close, we, we do get a lot of business from them, a lot of walk-in customers that come in off of these three-quarter-day overnight, day-and-a-half trips that we don't necessarily go to the landing to service, but our doors stay open. Um, our market is actually open until 6 p.m. Uh, every day but Monday, as I said, but our restaurant stays open uh, seven days a week until 8 p.m., so we do get a lot of business between those hours of 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. We're Guys are coming in out of sea force and, and they want to drop off fish. Granted, we won't process it that day, but the following morning it's always taken care of. And uh, that's, the, that's the benefit that I hear a lot from our customers is that they enjoy the fact that they could drop a fish off with a human being instead of putting it in, say, a drop box or you know uh, some kind of gated box or locked box that, that another processor may have. Um, unfortunately, if you come in after those hours, you kind of got to keep it in the back of the truck, so to speak, until the following morning. But generally in the season, we're there early hours, 5.30, 6 a.m., uh, if that was to be your case. But uh, once again, we keep our doors open for anybody at all times as long as it's within our business hours and just do the best we can with it. Now, Ryan, you call yourself a, a seafood processor. Tell us about the different services that you offer and the different ways you can prepare fish with regards to the customer's uh, demand or request? Well, well, we're kind of the old-fashioned ones, and I've heard uh, one of the other processors does say tuna burgers. I mean, 
and they have a machine that they grind up the tail pieces, as we were saying, the grainy pieces of the fish, and create a burger out of it. We don't want to get into that. We do have one of the, or actually the oldest um, all-natural brick smoker that we do our all of our smoked fish and our jerky out of, uh, which are two of the options that they have. Uh, we offer filet and vacuum packs, smoked or jerky, however they would like their species. Not all fish is necessarily recommended for jerky, for example. Um, I get like you catch a halibut. You don't want to do a halibut jerky. That's just too good of a fish to do for jerky. But <laughs> we're definitely well known for our, our yellowfin tuna and our yellowtail jerky, as well as our retail market offers, in my opinion, the best salmon jerky you can find in San Diego, if not around the country. Um, Mario kind of created that recipe at the beginning stages. I wouldn't say he created. He kind of put that the cherry on the cake so to speak to perfect it and i i rarely get a complaint when it comes to our smoker jerky more than the biggest complaint i get is that it went too fast <laughs> there wasn't <laughs> enough of it yeah it is an expensive product to make on our end as a, there's a lot of labor that goes into it a lot of material um we charge two dollars a pound whole weight fish for our jerky dollar uh, twenty-five a pound whole weight for our smoked fish, and as I said before, our standard uh, filet and vacuum pack is seventy-five cents a pound. Everything is based on whole weight. So I'm going to presume too. If, uh, in the old days, you used to be able to trade your fish for cans. I, that sounds like something that uh, doesn't happen at uh, Sportsman Seafood Processing. No, we we kind of got out of that. Uh, nobody's saying we're not going to get back into it. I actually have a long-term outlook of getting back into that. Um, I know in the interim, the anglers down in Point Loma do have an option of exchanging their fish through fisherman's canning, which ends up working out great for a lot of customers who, like I said, go on a, say, a 15-day trip and they come home with 10 cows. It, it does get pretty costly if you were to process them all, which I understand you don't want to do. And then the other thing is people tend to want to just keep their fresh fish their rsw and you know on a trip of 15 day duration those first few days of fishing those fish are going to have to be frozen to be kept to a good quality so i see a lot of people trading in their frozen fish for cans but it's definitely a great convenience and a good thing to have down there at the landings for for the anglers to have that choice uh, Ryan, uh, you know, I know especially some of the Orientals, uh, uh, they believe in what they call, like, uh, just uh, letting their fish everything. cure. What? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm, no, I was just making a joke out of it. I said, the, the, I believe I have a great long list of some very, very nice, good, loyal customers that happen to be Asian, but I was just making a joke out of it. They want to keep everything. I, I almost joke with them at the landings, and they say, I ask them, how do you want your fish cut? And by the time they're done telling me, I, I ask them the question, well, why are we even processing this? Because <laughs> say, I want the head, I want the eyeball, I want the, you know, the collars, the eggs. Collars. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, our, our good friends like Tommy Gomes, uh, uh, they've uh, they've really brought new meaning to uh, how to prepare uh uh, fish bellies and fish collars, and oh, that's man. a delicacy that people maybe used to just kind of throw away, and now all of a sudden they don't do that anymore. Well, they turn anything into soup, or they use anything for a soup. That's all I hear. <laughs> you, you know how much soup? those fish collars are? It, it, if you go to a Japanese restaurant and order kama, which is a collar, you only get one side, 
It's twelve to fourteen dollars. Wow! I did not. There you have it. Makes sense. (laughs) I didn't want them all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ryan, the the question I was getting to is, uh, you know, uh, there used there's a certain segment of people that think that uh, the the more you cure your fish, uh, the better it is when you uh, um, uh, you when you decide to eat it and. Uh, you know, by curing, I mean it's kept on ice, and instead of bringing it, you know, right to, to be processed, maybe keep it on ice for three or four days, and then to process it there. Is is there any benefit to that that you know of, or do you think the the fresher the product, the better? You know, I I really couldn't give you an honest answer on that. I don't really run into that too often. I run into the the guys that you know are calling my cell phone at eight thirty at night saying, "Hey, I just got off this." Uh, day and a half can you come meet me i have this that or the other i just tell them totally it's totally fine keep it on ice bring it to our place in the morning i now it's obviously the fresher the better but i i really couldn't give you an honest answer on whether or not it, it is better at the end of the day when it's processed because the majority of the fish that i see these guys on the these sport boats as you, wendy and everybody else was saying earlier not only do they work their tail off they do such a good job by it makes our lives a lot easier the way that we're given this fish to even process it. I mean, it it could be a lot worse than it is. I mean, I'm not a big fisherman myself, and I tell people all the time I see more fish in a day than most fishermen see in a year. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, they do such a good job keeping their fish in, in great shape for us. I really have no complaints on that end, and I wouldn't even really know the difference if it, if, if it, w- it was kept for, say, three days in a cooler or something like that. Okay. Well, Ryan Moniz from uh, Sportsman Seafood Processing, we want to get a hold of you, uh, bring our fish over for you to uh, process, give you a chance to, to do what you do so well with it, and Stan will attest to the fact that uh, I think uh, you do some of the best smoke fish anywhere, in the southwest uh uh how can we get a hold of you you can call us anytime at area code 619-224-3551 or you can also go to our website which is www.sportsmanseafood with uh dot com and you know and like and, i said uh, well, ryan in the day of, of of a lot of the processors not wanting to take uh uh, uh, fish uh, of a certain size or that under a certain size, uh, you welcome uh, fish of all denominations, all sizes, I imagine. Absolutely. I, I try and st- avoid all the politics of that good stuff. I, I understand where some people come from, whether it be a processor or an angler that doesn't want to keep that fish. But, you know, there are those people you guys pay big money to go out, the hard-earned money to go out there. And if, if it just so happens to be you catch an eight-pound yellowtail, I'm happy that you caught a fish. I'm not in the fish business, quote-unquote. I'm in the weight business. So at the end of the day, yeah, we will cut anything um, as long as it's a legal fish. And and I have no problem doing that. All right. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you being with us. Tell us a little about the operation. It it sounds like even with the the passing of Mario Gio that uh, uh, Sportsman Seafood Processing has just not skipped a beat and that you guys are on top of it and are providing a service that we should support. I, I want to thank you for being with us and, and cluing us on in and what you guys are doing. 
Likewise, you guys. I hope you guys enjoy your night, and thank you again. Take care, Wendy. I'll see you soon, hon. All right. Alrighty. Thank you. Okay. Have a good night, guys. Hey. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for being with us. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here, and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips, ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of moves, Movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity. We have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619 222 1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Ann and I, we do want to welcome you back to uh, Ron Real Radio. Hey, we've been waiting uh, uh, for a long time to get this guest on, and we're happy he... Uh, He's with us. He's from the Carolina Lure Company. You know, you, you get on a, a special bite, and guys start catching fish on a lure, and you go, man, this is an overnight sensation. But a lot of times you find out that it takes many years to get that overnight sensation into the market and into the hands of people. This guy has done it. Let me uh, introduce our listening audience to Jimmy McCarran from Carolina Lure Company. Jimmy, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having us. And we are, Jim. We are. We love having you here. You know, uh, you make a lure that's been the the hottest thing on the market out here for the past few weeks. In fact, we just had uh, uh, Danny Uribe from Accurate Lures. They were going over a uh, fishing trip that Team Accurate was on just a few days ago, where they picked up a two hundred and seventy four pound bluefin tuna on your lure. But I know you got all kinds of success stories. Tell us a little bit, if you will, about Carolina Lures and some of the products you make. Oh, yeah. We're glad to do that. Yeah, we've uh, we've been on the market since 1992. We started with one lure in a sandwich bag at $750 a bar on my credit card. And uh, really didn't know a lot about the fishing business, didn't know how to catch some fish. And we've been blessed along the way. We've patented a few lures and, uh, you know, that have really done well on the market uh, by word of mouth. And uh, we're a small family business. Our lures are made here in America. Our Yummy Flying Fish is the one you're talking about, which we which we uh, brought on the market in 2001. And it's a it's a soft plastic. It's a revolutionary lure that uh, that we invented. 
out of need. And I'll tell you what's interesting about that. You know, tuna are very difficult to catch. And uh, we developed that lure because I got to notice an offshore sometimes the only thing they would eat were the flying fish, real flying fish. And, uh, you know, when the entire Carolina fleet can't catch a tuna, you know you need something new. So that's how that <laughs> bait came about. And we just got studied and working on it and, and designed it entirely from scratch. Actually created a new class of fishing that hadn't been really done before, which is pulling baits under kites at a real fast speed. It had been done for years with live bait, but, you know, doing that. So that's how we've, we've developed. We've sold store to store and, uh, through our website at carolinalures.com. But it's an interesting bait, and I'm, I'm glad to ha- answer any questions you all have on that. Well, mostly, you know, it's been the, a technique that has been slow-growing out here in the West. Uh, uh, I think the Excel, Justin, some of the guys out there were the first ones to kind of play with it on the kite. Um, yeah. It's been, uh, you know, then the guys got a kind of hold of it on some of the yachts, and, and it's played around here. Now it's become a part of, the long-range fleets, a lot of the guys like to carry them on the long-range stuff going down for that yellowfin down below to Clarion and the bank, and uh, or just down in even off Cabo. When you when you can't get oh, yeah. them to bite on a troll bait, you can do this and get the kite up there, bounce that thing across the surface, and and you got a really good shot at catching a, a, a fish of a lifetime, and it's really come into play now because we've never had a 200-pound-plus bluefin and yellowfin at the same time off the shores of California like we have right now, at least not in my lifetime that I know of. And it got to the point where I was trying to find <laughs> a yummy flyer. I couldn't find one out here. I ended up calling Jim and go, hey, I'm in desperate need. <laughs> and one of the guys, uh, in fact, they, they've got, you'll be able to watch uh, the TV show Stoked on Fishing. I know Shay and, and uh, Eddie Howerton, Dennis Burrell, we're out there playing around in their boat, and they got a 270-something uh, on the flyer on film. Um, so that's going to be something to watch because I, I guarantee you Eddie was on the fish, and, and that was probably no easy task in a 22-footer. But it, we'll be able to watch that. But you might want to talk about how you can rig it, and there's other ways I know I want to try sure. uh, playing around with dragging a daisy chain of these things when I go out here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about the rigging on these things. There's multiple ways to rig them. And interesting, even after all these years, there's no real consensus on the best way to rig a yummy flyer. Um, a lot of the pros, you know, they, they'll use one hook or another hook. But really, to make the bait last, we designed them to slide up the line, slide up the leader. And I'm hearing from a lot of the guys in Southern California that they're, you know, they're hard rigging them. They're, they're, they're gluing the, the line in there and all that. And you really don't need to do that. I mean, you can catch fish on them, but. And, and, in fact, you can go onto our YouTube channel, uh, carolinalures.com, on YouTube, and we've just put up some videos uh, because we're getting a lot of questions on this on how what we call the cow rig, which is made for over 200-pound tuna, where you use a good, strong J-hook, a welded eye J-hook, and a really strong treble, either a TG90 Mustad or a similar hook, and the new Caillou Mustad or some of the owner trebles are, are very effective. But you want that bait to skip along the top of the water, fly through the air like it's designed, and uh, it's an exciting way to fish because you've got these huge tuna that sometimes more than one fish is, is competing to catch that flying fish. Yeah. And, and sometimes they'll knock them way in the air. I've seen them grab these, these flyers six feet in the air, and I've seen a tuna just air out and catch it in midair. It's absolutely spectacular how magnificent these fish are. And, and I'm telling you that this technique of using the kite is it's the most effective 
method to catch hard-to-find tunas. And what it allows you to do is you get your line and leader out of the water, and once you learn how to fly the kite and you can you can position your boat over a school of fish or a structure or, or boat shot tunas that you can you can observe, and you can you can skip that yummy flyer right through a school of fish, and then they don't even realize the boat's around. And, I mean, they'll air out on this thing. It'll also catch, you know, huge Dorado um, and even billfish. You'll, you'll start seeing marlin. If there's any marlin around, you'll start picking up a few incidentally. And, uh, like I said, it's a very exciting way to fish. And you'll sell. It's like topwater fishing for bass or any other species. But, you know, imagine a 200, 300-pound fish. You know, some of these bluefins, you know, we've caught giants on them where they're just enormous fish. And they're just exploding on this this yummy. And, and it seems to be that if you use a stinger, either a double J-hook at the tail or, or a really high-quality treble in conjunction with a J-hook, when they come in and blow up on it, that stinger will hold them long enough for that J-hook to come around and hook them. And you get a good solid hook up on these fish. That, that leader, that fish is going to, the bait is going to slide up the line a little bit. And uh, you don't want a real long leader on a yummy flying fish because the other tunas are going to see that flying fish come in and try and hit it. So we, we want a shorter <laughs> leader. Oh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's spectacular. It's like wazoo it's another, fishing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they'll come in there and they'll, and they'll nail that flying fish. They'll hit these yummies from zero knots, I mean sitting dead still in the water, all the way to about, we, we recommend about seven and a half knots is perfect. You can get them up in the eight speed, depending on the wind conditions and all that. But just just rig it, make it run like a real flying fish, skipping the water. A lot of guys will add some weight to the nose. They want them to hit nose down. We also make a chin weight that will do that that's, that's custom fit for the bluer. But, you know, a lot of guys want to see them tail, tail just, just skimming the top of the water. Um, you know, it's like any other fishing. Play with your presentations on what's working. But the faster you're going, the quicker that line's going to come tight on the strike, and it's really going to raise your hookups. I hope, I hope that was. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, that's a great picture. But tell me, uh, you know, uh, especially on the sports fishing boats here, uh, yeah. uh, hard to use a kite. Do you have uh, any uh, uh Tales or any experience of people that have been using the Yummy Flyer, but not necessarily on a kite? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of guys that are using helium balloons. Actually, that started out with you guys on the West Coast, and it migrated our way. Yep. And uh, a lot of guys are using helium balloons now. They're, they're using it to keep the kite up when there's no wind. But also, I know a lot of long-range guys, uh, the, the, the Flex on the Excel, uh, Justin and, and Jason Fleck on the Excel, they really pioneered on how to use this Yummy under only a helium balloon and let that, that bait skip ahead of the boat, you know, as it's leaving the boat. And, and I mean, these tunas will nail it. There's also a condition off of Cape Hatteras sometimes off of Oregon Inlet, North Carolina, where we'll get a current, the Gulf Stream current that's working against the wind, and you can actually throw that kite up, and you can make it look like the yummy flying fish is a flying fish is being scared by the boat. And I'm telling you, that fools every every fish in the ocean right there every time. It's such a natural presentation. And I'm telling you, it's an exciting way to fish. It's a crowd pleaser. Even when a fish misses the strike, and like I said, sometimes they'll come back again and again until they hook themselves, but it's an exciting way to fish. It's a crowd pleaser. Usually it's more than one that's chasing. It's not the same fish. A lot of times they run in small wolfbacks. Absolutely, or, yes, or sir. Or larger ones. Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm convinced. I've watched yellowfins, and I'm convinced it's almost like I've heard, you know, that dolphin, the mammal type, will do. I believe there's some tunas that, that are flushers that scare the flyers, and there's other tunas that are, that are working together to pick them out of the air. I mean, I just watched them for years when we were trying to catch them. I mean, down the ridiculously light fluorocarbon leaders trying every trick in the book that we knew and wouldn't hit nothing, but they would blast these, these real flying fish. And, and I'm telling you, that's when we figured that out. And it was, it was like it was on the West Coast. It was slow at first. People were like, what do you think you're going to do with a rubber fish and a kite? And 
in one year in the Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament, it's a Big East Coast tournament, world famous. Uh, one of our captains, Ron Whitaker, realized at the last minute no one had caught not one single tuna that whole fleet. And uh, he's like, you know what, I'm going to throw up the kite in the yummy, and I'm going to win some money. And, and he did it, and he did it in a situation where a lot of people saw him. And uh, and from then on, it really started growing more and more, and it's spreading more up the East Coast. And certainly you guys in California have got some fantastic fishermen out there, and, and I'm excited to see what the California fleet's going to do. And, and uh, you know, we're developing new things all the time. In fact, we've got a new yummy coming out in October that you guys are going to love. So, All right. Hey, Jim, uh, just briefly, if people want to see the baits that are available through uh, Carolina Lure Company, uh, where can yeah. they go and, and peruse the selection? Sure. You can go to carolinalures.com. That's our that's our main website. We recently launched one called yummylures.com. And yummy is spelled Y-U-M-M-E-E. And uh, you can see all of our American-made products on there. You can buy online. We typically ship the same day. Sometimes it's two or three days, depending on, you know, how the shipping goes. But and we're also shipping dealers in California. I mean, we're shipping guys out there as, as fast as we can. And, and uh, we want you guys to catch fish and be blessed and have fun and, and use our American-made products. We're real proud of that. We're proud of that USA sticker. Well, Jim, we're proud to have you on, and we appreciate you spending some time with us, especially on Sunday. It's particularly yep. busy with you. We're going to get yep. down the road with these uh, a little bit, and we'd like to get on back to you and tell you some of our stories, and you might have a story or three that you want to relate to us. Absolutely. One of my favorite real quick stories is that when we first brought it out, one of our dealers in the Gulf Coast told a woman uh, who was a dealer in the same town, and she said, there's no way my husband told me not to buy these rubber fish. Well, he talked her into buying them. They got in a big Merrill fight. The guy goes fishing out in the Gulf. He said, you know what, for the heck of it, I'm going to throw it out there. His first cast started catching tuna. I think he caught like 20 elephants on that lure. And that's, uh, you know, it's just some funny stories that come along with this business, you know. All right, Jay. Well, we're going to test drive it and be in touch, buddy. All right. You call me anytime, sir. All right. And like I said, call us anytime, carolinalures.com. All right. Jim McCarran, thanks a lot for being with us and telling us a little bit about the yummy lorry. Well, that's it for this weekend, friends. And we want to thank you all for staying with us and listening on behalf of Stan, Wendy, and myself. We appreciate you being with us. I want to thank uh, Jorge at our AM540 studios for helping us with tonight's show. Also, a special thank you to Ben Harvey for putting all this edited material together. We appreciate it, Ben. Did a great job. And always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Captain Eddie McCune that really started the show and gave us this great legacy we uh, have, we want to thank them. But in particular, we want to thank you, the listeners, for staying with us. I hope you get a chance to get out there and get them this weekend because... As you've seen with an interview we had with Captain Chuck Taft, this is the time to go out fishing and get the fish of a lifetime. So on behalf of all of us, thanks again. Go out and get them. They're getting away. We'll see you next Sunday night starting at 5.05 p.m. on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com on Rod and Reel Radio. Good night, everyone. We're out for now. Oh, yeah.